This morning, we're going to look at uh, our series, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as the author and the interpreter of Scripture. Now, we're going to have to do this old school, okay? That means you're going to have to, you're going to, have to turn the pages of your Bible, all right? But uh, I don't have a lot of passages this morning, but, uh, but we, we, they won't be on the screen. So we've been in a series for a few weeks called Come Holy Spirit. And what we're doing as a church is we want to understand and we want to know who the Holy Spirit is. We want to, to not, we don't want to base our understanding on Him strictly on what someone else has taught us. We want to see what Scripture says, okay? And that's, that's all we're doing. I, I'm not, I won't introduce anything new that you've probably been taught. We're just putting it together maybe a little bit different. But an author is an, an originator of any published written work. And that can be a, a book, or it can be a literary work, or it can be a report. But an author is the originator. He's, he's, the, he's the founder. He's the writer. An author can also be the creator or the cause of something. Jesus is the author of our salvation. He's the, he's the cause of it, the creator of it. I authored this book. Now, I'm not pushing this book. I'm just using it as an illustration this morning. But I, I know, I hear some of you are, uh, okay. I, seriously, it's an illustration. I authored this book, and it was published by a, a reputable publisher. I believe God inspired me to write it, okay? But I'm the creator of the thoughts and the specific words that explain the message that I'm trying to get across. I'm responsible for that. So whatever is said in that, I cause the thoughts and I cause the ideas and the words to become a manuscript. I, I, I played over my computer and, and wrote and wrote and rewrote and rewrote some more and sent it off and it came back and rewrote some more, okay? But, but those ideas and those words and ultimately that manuscript and, and eventually this book came out of my head and my heart, okay? I didn't sit down and wait until God spoke and type exactly what he said. He inspired it. He gave me the idea. He put that there. But I had to do the work. So I can rightly call myself the author of this book. Others can read it. And they can draw inspiration. They may get some strength out of it. And they get, may get some encouragement from it. But I'm the only one who can explain it and truly interpret its meaning and the ideas behind it. Because they came out of my head and out of my heart. Now, when I was in school... And I'm sure many of you were involved in this. But whenever we would look at poems, I didn't do really well with poems, okay? I'll I just be honest with you. I just couldn't understand the symbolism sometimes. But in literature, I was okay. But we would sit down and we would discuss what the author meant. You know what? We were, we were basically wasting time, okay? Because we don't know exactly what the author meant. Only the author knew what he meant. Now, we have all these ideas. I've heard all kinds of explanations for different things that have been written. And, and, like Moby Dick, the whole premise behind Moby Dick, or, or the Scarlet Letter, on and on and on, those great works. The reality is the person who actually wrote that is the only person who could, be you know, could interpret it. They could uh, help us understand the ideas behind it. So with this book, I'm responsible for it because I authored it. And I'm responsible for the content. But the Holy Spirit is the author and the interpreter of this book. He wrote this book. 
And he's the only one who can interpret it. And because he's the Spirit of God, that's what the the Bible says. It says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. He's God's Spirit. He fully understands the mind of God the Father, and he fully understands the mind of God the Son. We often call Moses, or we call the Apostle John, or the Apostle uh, Peter, or, or even the Apostle Paul, we call them the author of certain books in the Bible. And true, they, they wrote the books. But the author is the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what the Word of God teaches us. That's what the, 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 the Scriptures say. The Holy Spirit is the author of God's prophetic Word. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Peter. And we're going to look at a couple of verses. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 19 through 21. And I can hear the pages turning, so I'll slow down just a little bit. Uh, usually I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're on the screen. Well, I'm 100% confident this morning they're not. So I'm going to wait till you get there. But here's what, here's what Scripture says about God's prophetic word. It says, so we have the prophetic word made more sure. To which you do well to pay attention. Now, we could spend the rest of the day there. We have it, and it would do us a lot of good if we would pay attention to it. To which you would do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Now, verse 21, we're we're all familiar with this verse. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Let me read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 again. But know this first of all. Make no mistake about this. Peter is saying, hey, listen for just a minute here. I want, I want to, to hammer this into your heads. He says, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of the human will, but by men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. See, the Holy Spirit is the originator. He's the author. Not a word in this book, folks, was conjured up in the mind of a man. I believe in the, in the inspiration of Scripture. And I believe uh, in a step farther. And this, sometimes people don't actually believe this, and they say they do. But I believe in the verbal, plenary inspiration of Scripture. And what that means is I believe even the words that the Holy Spirit chose to use are inspired. I, it's interesting. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, a life. You see, it's the difference between the article A and the article V. That's a huge difference, doesn't it? See, that's where the Holy Spirit came in. He made sure that it was the way. Okay, I'm communicating to, to the people who will read this that there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. And so it, there, there are hundreds and thousands of places in Scripture where just the article makes a gigantic difference in the doctrine that's being taught. 
men were a part of writing it. And I want you to understand that. But the words that they wrote didn't originate with them. They originated in the mind of God, in the mind of the Holy Spirit. I, want, I don't want you to understand me. The men who wrote this were not, speak, Lord, and I'll write down what you say. They began to write. And the Holy Spirit began to give them the words they needed. And they wrote those words down. They were not mindless secretaries. They were not robots. The Holy Spirit used their writing style. He used their, their personalities. But the words and the concepts and the ideas are stamped with the trademark of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you study Scripture very closely, let's just say in the New Testament, You'll see that, that John writes differently than Paul. If you study it in the Greek, you'll find out very quickly John writes differently than Paul. John uses very simple Greek. Okay? Paul, on the other hand, may go 12 verses without a period. He may have a sentence that's 12 verses long. He uses very complex Greek. That was the difference in their educations. That was their difference in their ability to speak the language. But the Holy Spirit is the one who gave them the words to use. Does that make sense? He used them. And we'll talk a little bit about how he did that. So these are God's words. These are the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit's words. They're his concepts. They're his promises. They're his ideas. Therefore, none of us can have our own private interpretation of what this verse means or that verse the Holy Spirit has to reveal to us His meaning for us to understand it. Have you, have you ever wondered why there are so many different kind of churches? It's awfully quiet. Well, this is one of the reasons. Everybody has their own interpretation. There are certain verses that we don't agree with, and, and we're not sure who has the right now, we'll say we are, and we'll, we'll die on that hillside, but the reality of it is when we get to heaven, we'll find out. But it's because of, of the different interpretations. That's why we have different denominations. That's why we have different schisms and isms and wasms and, and groups. It's because of three words. To quote 1 Peter 1.20, or 2 Peter 1.20, one's own interpretation. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter what my interpretation is. Okay? And it doesn't matter what your interpretation is. It's what the Holy Spirit's interpretation is because He wrote it. We can sit and we can argue and we can debate one another, but it's wasted time. We need to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying and what He means. Here's not a biblical idea, really, of how scriptures were written. It, it tells us in, in this verse, in 2 Peter verse 1, 19 and 21, it says that men were moved by the Holy Spirit. That word moved means to, to be carried or to be borne along. And it's almost like the, the Holy Spirit enveloped Peter or Paul, or John, and he just he kind of moved them along in that process. Literally, the word was used to describe a ship that put up its sails, and the wind filled those sails and carried that ship wherever they wanted to go. Folks, if, 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 if Paul had not sat down to listen with a pen in hand, you know how many books he would have written? Zero. 
If John had not sat down with a pen, a quill in his hand, and a parchment before him, you know how many he would have written? Zero. Moses would not have written the first five books of the Bible had he not sat down with that pen. He put the sail up. They put the sail up, and the wind of God filled it. The Spirit of God filled it, and they were moved along. And it, it, the metaphor here is that, that prophet, that, that writer of Scripture, of raising their sails and the Holy Spirit filling them and carrying them, their craft, in the direction he wishes to go. That's exactly how Scripture was getting written. Paul writes in, in, in Timothy, in 2 Timothy, verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 16. And you know this, all Scripture is inspired by God. Now I'm going to stop right there, okay? All Scripture is inspired by God. In other words, these writings that are in this book are God-breathed. That's what the word inspiration is. It means God-breathed. It's, it's two words, theo, which is theos, which is God, and neustos, which is a, a, a form of the word for, for wind or spirit. Pneuma, it's, it's the root of that. So these, 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 these words that are in Scripture are God-breathed. God breathed them out. They're inspired because of the breath of God. God breathed life into them. And when we read them and when we study them and when we commit them to memory and when we, when we spend time contemplating them, they produce life. Okay, because of the breath of God. Not because they're words on a page, but because they are the words of God. Without the Holy Spirit to interpret these words, they don't do anything. You, you understand that, don't you? Without the Holy Spirit, I can read this book over and over and over and over, and I will not understand very much. <coughs> But when the Holy Spirit begins to, to interpret them, and I'm going to talk about the difference in a few minutes between interpret and translate. He doesn't translate these words. He interprets them. He gives them meaning to us. And He applies them to our life. When He begins to apply them to our life and interpret them into our situations, life springs up, folks. The, the rabbis in Judaism taught that the Spirit of God rested on and in the prophets. And, and when they spoke, He spoke through them so that their words didn't come from themselves, but they came from the mouth of God. That's why, folks, the prophetic words that, that Isaiah spoke and the, and the prophetic words that Jeremiah spoke and the prophetic words that Jesus spoke, we have written down. They are inscripturated, Okay? They, are, they are, are, are inspired. Now, that doesn't mean that God still doesn't speak through human beings, okay? But it's a little different. We don't write them down and put them at the end of Revelation and continue on. They, they, there were no mistakes when John wrote his book. When, when I wrote mine, I found mistakes, I sent it to somebody else, and they sent it back, and it looked like somebody had died on it, okay? And this wasn't even an editor. This was just a friend. There was so many red You know what my greatest joy was? When I got a page that didn't have a red mark on it. And it was 200 and something, I mean, typed pages. 
And then I, I thought, I got it. And I sent it off to the, to the publisher, and the editor sent it back. And you know what my joy was? To find a half a page that didn't have a red mark on it. See, there were mistakes. But when God spoke through his prophets and what found its way into Scripture, what was canonized, there were no mistakes in it. We can use this book to guide our life. We can stake our eternal salvation on this book. Okay? Why? Because the Holy Spirit spoke it. He gave it to us. Jesus put it this way in John 16, verse 13. He said, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you. Now, I want us to kind of put this in a strict context here for a moment. You see, Jesus has been with these disciples for three and a half years. He has talked to them and taught them as they walked along the road, as they sat by the fire at night, as they were on the mountainsides with the crowds, as they were ministering to a, to a sick man or a lame woman or to a demonized boy. He has talked to them constantly. He has filled their minds with as John says, if everything Jesus had said were written down, the world couldn't hold it. Okay, So he had filled their minds with things, and yet they couldn't call them up. They didn't understand what half of it meant. They were just like us. Have you ever been through a class or maybe a, a, a meeting at work and you came out of it and you had no clue what you were supposed to do? You ever been there? I have. Okay, that's where they were at. But Jesus, just before he is arrested, he calms their nerves and he says, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Spirit of truth. And when he comes, he's going to disclose what I've said. He's going to boil it down and he's going to show you what to do. So in the strictest sense, he's telling his apostles first and then us, that the Holy Spirit's going to guide them as they speak and as they write into the full truth. And if we'll listen and we'll read and we'll apply, He'll guide us into the same full truth. He'll reveal exactly what they need to know, when they need to know it, where they need to know it. It's, it, it hasn't changed. He'll, he'll, he'll give us exactly what we need to know, when we need to know, where we need to know it, if we'll just listen. Jesus promised him that he'll, he'll, that the Holy Spirit will speak the teachings of Jesus into their everyday situations. They'll, be, they'll have a, a situation where they won't know what to do, and all of a sudden, boom, there it'll be. The Holy Spirit will just give it to them. They, they, they'll make application. He, he's going to reveal the heart of God to them and the heart of Jesus, and, and they would understand it. And they would understand that, that what they, they could see partially and 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 then what was hidden at that exact moment, it would be disclosed. At the end of the first couple of three chapters in, in the book of Revelation, at the close of the at each of the seven letters to the churches in Asia, Jesus says something. He says, And he who has ears, and she who has an ear, let him hear, let her hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
You can find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3, verse 6, 13, 22. You can find it. And so, over and over and over, he says that. Why? Now, here's what I've learned. If, if, if Scripture says it one time, I need to pay attention to it. Amen? If it says it three times, it's really, really important. But when it says it seven times, seven's the number of completion, okay? <laughs> if I don't listen, I can't use that as an excuse. That's what I'm trying to say to you. So Jesus is saying, he who has ears to hear, if you have a heart to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying. to you. As you read this letter in the book of Revelation, hear what the Spirit is saying. And you can apply that to, to all other Scripture. Jesus describes uh, in, in, in Scripture, He talks about the salvation of the Gentiles. And He talks about them becoming fellow heirs with the Jews who had believed in Jesus. And Paul calls that a mystery. Something that, that hadn't been revealed in the rest of Scripture. It was unknown. It was, it was totally foreign to what they had learned. But here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5. It's been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who has revealed it. This mystery was, was undiscovered. We couldn't have discovered it, folks. Nobody was teaching it. Because there's no human philosophy or, or national reasoning process that the mind could have come up with. In other words, no man would have ever arrived at that truth. That God was going to make the Gentiles fellow heirs with the Jews. Just never would have found it on our own. But the Holy Spirit reveals it. Because it's God's truth. God authored it. God created it. It originated in the mind of the Holy Spirit. He's the author of Scripture. He's the one who wrote it. But He's also the interpreter of what He has authored. And that's very important. Only the author of a work can fully interpret what it means and tell you all the nuances behind the meanings of what he or she is writing. Now you can get professors and you can get English teachers and you can get liter literary teachers and, and philosophers and they can give you all these ideas. Okay? And, 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 and there are a million, a bazillion books in the library. But only the author can tell you truly what was behind what he wrote. And folks, we have the Holy Spirit who interprets for us what God intended for us to know. Have you ever read a book you just did not understand? When I was at Southeastern Bible College, we had a, uh, a theologian, and, and I, I mean, I say this, I don't, I'm not being uh, in any way beyond what I need to say. But he was one of the greatest theologians that America has ever produced. And if I said his name, some of you would know him. Okay? He was an older gentleman at that time. Uh, he was brilliant. In preparation for his series of lectures, 
they gave us a little paperback book to read so that we could be ready and we'd understand what he's talking about. I read the book. Now, I'm not stupid, okay? I'm not. But I had to have a dictionary, a theological dictionary, and I had to look up every other word. And when I got through, I had no clue what he was talking about. And he came and spoke that week, and I had no clue what he was talking about. I heard one word the whole week that made sense to me. The word was hamburger. Okay? <laughs> After he had gone, we had a student response, which means the students had no idea what he was talking about. Then we had a faculty response, which meant the faculty had no idea what he was talking about. And then we had a student-faculty response, which we all agreed we had no clue what he was talking about. There was nobody to interpret it. Okay, he used English words. It was his concepts were just so deep and so foreign to our normal way of thinking that we just didn't understand. And folks, a lot of people would say, "Well, that's that's the way Scripture is." Well, that's not the way Scripture is. See, the Holy Spirit does not translate Scripture for us. A translation is to take from one language and place it into another and, and just to strictly translate the words. The Holy Spirit interprets. He tells us, the translation tells us what it says. Interpretation tells us what it means. Okay, I'm going to say that again. A translation tells us what it says. Interpretation tells us what it means. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit didn't just simply write the Scriptures. He's the one who interprets what God means. Paul prays a prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. And he prays that God would give the Ephesian believers, and this is what he says, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, in the knowledge of God. That passage refers back to an, to an Old Testament passage that's found in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And it talks about when the Holy Spirit would rest upon the Messiah. I want you to listen to it. The Holy Spirit is described in this way. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon Him. On who? On the Messiah. We know Jesus was the Messiah. So we could say the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Jesus. And it will be the Spirit of wisdom. And understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit is acutely qualified, uniquely qualified to interpret what He has written. And that's what Scripture says He will do. That passage there describes that completeness and it describes the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Nobody understands God's Word better than the Spirit of God who interprets them for us. Listen, I have tremendous respect for the teachers that I have had all along my life. From, from uh, a, a lady named Miss Sally Page, a little old lady at, at Bethel Methodist Church who, who was the oldest lady I had ever known. Okay? I was a little bitty guy and she was a, an elderly lady and she taught a Sunday school class to the right, it would be in this little room right here. And that's the first time I heard about Jesus. And she knew all about Jesus. Okay? I've studied under, 
under teachers that, that had PhDs and, and numerous PhDs and that were, were, were theologians par excellence. I had the, the privilege while I was at Beeson to study with some of the, the greatest scholars in the world. But here's the thing. They can't interpret the Word of God for me. The Holy Spirit has to do that. And we need to learn that. If, if we'll learn that, things will become a lot clearer, a lot easier. Paul puts it this way. He says, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, for to us, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For among who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man who is in him? No, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Folks, this is a treasure chest. A treasure chest. This is not a book of condemnation. This is not a, a, a hammer or, a, or a, a, a weapon to destroy people with. This is a treasure chest that, that is, a, I mean, it's a map to the treasure God has given us. He's freely given us. But we need the Holy Spirit to interpret this for us. Are you struggling this morning? Maybe you don't have the provisions you need for what you think God wants to do. Maybe you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance that, that you are lacking. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're, 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 you're not listening to what He's saying. Maybe you're not seeking the answer out of the pages of Scripture. Maybe you can't figure out what to do. Or, or the Bible just seems confused. Man, I talk to people all the time and they say, you know what, I just don't understand what it means. Man, I'm kind of like uh, Samuel Clements, uh, and I'm trying to think of his other name. I don't know why Mark Twain didn't come to my mind. Mark Twain said, it's not what I don't understand about Scripture that scares me, it's what I do understand. Folks, that's an easy excuse to use. I just don't understand. We have all kinds of translations available today. I mean, you can get the cotton patch gospel. Okay, you can get the New Living Translation. You can get a translation that makes sense to you. We've got God's Good News written in modern language. I mean, we, we've got all kinds of translations. Our problem is not that we don't understand. Our problem is that we won't read and we won't ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it. God, I don't understand. what we, we go to this book, that book. We look here, we look there. We ask this person, that person. How many of you know, understand this? That if you ask 10 people something, you'll get how many ideas? At least 10, maybe more, okay? At, maybe more. That, that's why when, when people would come to me for counseling, I, I would listen to them for a little while, and I would say, who have you been talking to? Well, I've been talking to Mary at work. Well, what qualifies Mary to give you advice? Mary's not you. Mary's not in your situation. She's not married to your husband. Well, Mary's been married before. I said, well, how did that work out? Well, she's not married now. So you're taking advice from Mary. 
You understand what I'm saying? We do that in all kinds of situations. We go to people who are not experts instead of taking what God's Word says and going to Him. Lord, I just lay this out. I don't get this. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know exactly what you're telling me to do. You know what I have found? That when I do that and I am sincere, at some point God will speak and He will show me exactly what to do. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would take His words and He would disclose them to all believers, not just to the apostles. That's what He says in in John 16, 13 and John 16, 14. He, He says, He will disclose what I've taught you. And that word disclose means to show the way. That's all it means. It means to show the way. How many of you ever got lost while you're traveling? Okay. It's common for me. Okay. I, I had MapQuest written out. All right. I went over to Atlanta to, uh, to the funeral this week, Charles' dad, uh, and, and the funeral there in Atlanta. And I, I, got, I went right through Atlanta, got on the right roads, made the right exit, turned off, went right down through there, counting the mileage. All of a sudden, I missed a sign. Shot right through it. Next thing I'm I'm on a road I can't get off of going somewhere I don't know. I get off, end up somewhere else, get back on, go a little farther. Finally, I got turned around, got back up there. It's common for me to get lost. I I don't do directions very well. The Holy Spirit is, is, is not like MapQuest where you print it out and you go by. The Holy Spirit is better. He's more like your, your Garmin, uh, uh, GPS, turn here. Left turn, 300 feet. Now, I can do that, okay? But when I miss one, you know what, the, you know what your, your, your GPS will say? Calculating, calculating. That's what the Holy Spirit does, recalculating. It's not that He's recalculating. He's just going, okay, I've got to get you back to there. I finally found the, the chapel in the funeral home after... 15 or 20 minutes of anxiousness and those kind of things. Actually, I just stopped in a Walmart parking lot and called the funeral home. And somebody guided me in. And that's what the word disclose means. It means means to have a guide who will take you by the hand and lead you there. Nobody came out, but we were so close. I was within a half a mile of it. That they just kind of said, now you'll see this, turn there. You'll see this, turn there. Can you see it? Yeah, I see it. Okay, I see the funeral. Thank you. Click, and they hung up. And folks, that's what the word disclose means. That the Holy Spirit will act as a guide who introduces us into an unknown country, into an unknown place. The Holy Spirit discloses Jesus and, and His teachings, and He takes us by the hand, and He leads us into the truth. Otherwise, we don't understand who Jesus is. I know a lot of people, a lot of Christians who doesn't, don't really understand who Jesus is. I know a lot of pastors who think God, who, who, who have this idea that God is angry and mad and foaming. And, and he, I mean, with lightning bolts, you know, jumping off his fingers and he's ready to strike them down. I know a lot of church folks, a lot of good Christian people that live in fear all the time because that's who they think God is. Folks, listen to me. God is not angry right now. He poured out His anger and His wrath on Jesus Christ. 
Jesus bore all of it. We are in a day, Jesus says this, we are in a day, what the Jews would call the year of Jubilee, the year of grace. We live in a period of grace. God's not angry. God's arms are open wide for anyone who would come to him. And yet, we've got an Old Testament interpretation. We've got an interpretation of another day, and that's been preached here and there. That's why most Christians are, are fearful and angry and judgmental and arrogant. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. He's not interpreting what the Scriptures teach. Listen, we've got no excuse, really, for not understanding what Scripture teaches. Scripture says that, that we have an anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says this, But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and you all know the truth. Do you hear what John said? He says that we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and that we all know the truth. That anointing is, is the seal of God on our life. It's the deposit. It's the guarantee of things to come. It's the Holy Spirit. We don't have any excuse, really, except laziness and unbelief. Now, I promise you those are two excuses I don't intend to use when I get to heaven. And if you plan to use those, please, if you're in front of me, let me know because I want to step back a little farther than where I'm at, okay? <laughs> those excuses won't wash. They won't, they won't help any. He's given us everything we need to know and we were too lazy to use it or we just didn't believe it. This anointing that we have, it enables us to know who Jesus is as Savior, it enables us to know who He is as, Lord, from, as Lord, and it does it for the simplest person to the most intellectual person, from the least educated to the most educated, from the one who's unable to put together a complete sentence to the one who speaks to thousands. The Holy Spirit can interpret His Word so that any person can understand it. Can, can I just tell you something? In, in talking to, to children... It's amazing how much they understand about God. Just talk to one. Because I'll guarantee you in a few minutes they'll ask you a question you can't answer. I've had the opportunity over, over my life to, to work at times with, with Down syndrome children and Down syndrome adults. They're brilliant when it comes to God. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit speaks to them and they don't go, really? They go, okay. I've had the, the gospel one time presented to me by a young lady who was, who was Down syndrome. It was as clear as clear could be. Why? Because the Holy Spirit interpreted it to her in words she could understand. That's how much He loves us. He'll come where we are and bring what we need. Apostle John puts it this way in 1 John. 2.27, he says, As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. 
And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things. And it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it's taught you, you abide in him. He's not saying there that we don't need pastors and teachers. He's saying that if we will dig into Scripture, if we'll take up our fork and our knife and bail in here and go at it, that the Holy Spirit will teach us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it, so that we can use it wherever we are. That's his promise. Folks, we don't have an, under, we don't have an excuse for not understanding this book, or really for not understanding the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to blame, when we get to heaven, bad teachers. We're not going to be able to, bl- to blame bad uh, teaching. The only reason we don't is because we've not invested enough time or enough effort. I mean, it, it rests on us. Okay? It rests on us. We don't know the Holy Spirit or we don't understand the Holy Spirit because we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. I know that's hard. I say it with a smile, okay? It's true, though. We don't listen. And you know why we don't listen? Here's the bottom line. We don't believe that this is the Word of God. Because if I believe this is the Word of God... I would listen to its author and interpreter and hear what he had to say. And I wouldn't just hear it, I would apply it in my life in every situation. It's unbelief. That's really what it is. For us as a body to move forward in the presence and the power of God, we have to trust the God. Okay? We have to trust the Holy Spirit that God has given us to lead us into unknown places where we've never walked, okay? Listen, I'm so far into places I've never been before that I don't have an idea what to do in that I can't turn around and get back because there's no way out, okay? There's no way to... I can't can't stop at the Walmart and phone home, okay? And you are too. You really are. You can't go back where you once were. So you're, you're, that's the way the Holy Spirit is. He makes us dependent on Him. Otherwise, we would never listen. And folks, for Him to take us where He wants to take us, we can't read a book at the Christian bookstore and figure out where we're going. We can't listen to pastor so-and-so who's been there and done that because that may not be exactly where God's taking us. It may be a different route. It may be a different uh, a place. We have to listen to Him. And we have to trust Him to lead us into it. What we have to do is we have to pick up this book. And we have to start ingesting what's in this book as though we were starving to death. We have to ask the Holy Spirit then to interpret it for us, not translate it. Listen, we all know what God says, right? Let's just be honest. Most of us have read enough in the Bible to know the words God uses. We understand what God says. We just don't understand what God means sometimes. I read the book that the theologian wrote I understood what the meaning of certain words were, and I knew how to look it up in the dictionary and get the meanings of the other, but when I got through, I still didn't know what he was talking about. Folks, that's not going to be an excuse for those of us who know Christ, because he has given us the interpreter 
of Scripture to lead us into all those truths. Listen, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll put it in a language that you can understand. Because He wired you. He made you. He knows how you learn. He knows how you understand. And He is willing to go to whatever length it takes to impress upon you and me the meaning so that we can obey Him. Folks, the reason we don't understand is because we need an interpreter. Whenever I go to Mexico to teach... I don't speak Spanish, okay? I had two years of it in high school. Out of those two years, I can say, hello, how are you? Which is very impressive at the beginning. What's your name? And how old are you? And after that, I'm lost. Besides that, they talk without my southern accent, so their words... When I say buenos, I, I, I strain out os. They don't. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're saying. Not only that, when I communicate to them, I communicate out of the culture from which I come. I communicate, number one, as an American. Number two, as, as a Southerner. Number three, as a Central Alabama boy. Okay? Now, if... My interpreter, who's Pedro Martinez, Pedro does most of the interpretation, many of you know him. Pedro lived in Mississippi, which helped him immensely understand at least some of what I'm saying. And he speaks pretty good English. But when, he, when, he, when I speak, he doesn't translate what I'm saying, okay? Because if he did, they'd have no clue what I meant, What he does is he takes what I have said and interprets it out of my culture and into their culture. Very often, I'll say a sentence. And Pedro will spend five minutes talking at a high rate of speed. And sometimes I'll just look at him and he'll go. (laughs) And sometimes I'll say something and he'll look at me and he'll go. And I have to come up with a new word. But the key is, he has to interpret it. Folks, that's us. We we have to have it interpreted for us. And God's put the author in our lives. He hasn't just sent him to be with us. He's placed him in us. And if we'll just trust that he's the author, and we'll listen, believing that he knows what he's talking about, He will lead us out of those places that are dead ends and into the places that God has for us. He will take us as a church to the place He wants us to go. You know what? You may have got wigged out this morning that we didn't have any music on the screen. I mean, I sit back and I think, man, God's got a sense of humor. We're introducing three new songs this morning. How much better can it be that we don't have words? That stuff doesn't bother me. Not in the least. Because I know God's got got a reason. Some of you heard some things this morning because you were not singing, because you didn't know the words, that that pierced some deep places in you. Man, that second song, I love it. I play it four and five times in a row. 
I mean, it's just like a problem. I'm not a slave to fear anymore, you know? And, and there were things that, that God was interpreting out of those songs into you and, and into me. Big deal, the screens were off. Okay, we'll get them fixed. But there was something God wanted somebody to hear this morning. And he cared enough about you to make sure the rest of us were quiet during worship so that you could hear it. You ever think about things that way? No, we think, God, oh, the screens don't work. How much worse could it be? We got three new songs this morning. Oh, Nelson, they're not going to be able to see the passage of Scripture. That's okay. They all got Bibles. Either in their hand or on their phone. See, God's, God's, God's working, but we have to listen to Him in the midst of what seems like chaos. See, I don't know about you, but my life's chaos most of the time, okay? I'm just be honest with you. Even when I think it's not chaos, it's because I've just zoned out and don't realize that how choppy the waves are, okay, and how little the boat is. But I have to learn to listen even in the chaos. And it's amazing how God, how loud God will speak if we just learn to listen. Folks, this morning, I want you to understand this. God loved you so much. That he didn't put all his, his, his money in a preacher. To explain what scripture meant. Okay. He didn't put it in screens. So that you could see the verses. Or hear the songs. He put the Holy Spirit inside of you. To interpret it. In a way. That you could understand it. That you didn't have to sweat it. That you could just receive it. That's the Holy Spirit. Of scripture folks. That's God. The third person. And if we'll just learn. To listen. And then obey. He'll take care of things. Whatever it is, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, wherever you're at in your Christian walk, He will take care of it. We belong to Him. He died on the cross to redeem us. The word redeem means to buy us. He bought us. He's responsible for us. Why not allow him to just take responsibility? Man, I'm going to tell you what, it's, it's great on your ulcers. Okay? It, it'll give you something else to do besides worry. That upset stomach you have all the time, guess what? It'll disappear. The stress that you live under, it's gone. If you'll just let the author and the interpreter of Scripture take care of you. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.